Channel 7 footy reporter, Jared Theodropoulos, joins us now because it is a captain's day. Oh, which means it? that it's Theo has spoken to, to all 18 captains uh, today down at Marvel Stadium. And he joins us on Sports Day. G'day, Theo. G'day, Jared. G'day, Waddy. Who is the most interesting captain to talk to? Well, I guess Max Gorn had you know, the raft of issues. Um, yeah, I found it interesting to hear sort of Jack Steele's thoughts as well about where the Saints are going. Um, Cal Mills too, off you know what's been a, a bit of a, a roller coaster year, but yeah, no doubt the uh, the attention was focused on Max Gorn and Jai Simpkin, given you know, the off-field troubles that those respective clubs have faced. I think the Demons have you know, weathered a, a bit of a storm in in recent times, and then you know you're rocked by news that no club really wants to hear and and that no player deserves with Angus Brayshaw. And it was just really nice to hear Max Gorn speak so glowingly about not only the impact that Angus has on field and that you can throw him anywhere and he's just such a reliable player to get stuff done for the Ds, but also just the sort of guy that he was off field. I didn't have the, the privilege to get to know him, but by all reports, just an absolutely ripping guy and, and someone that drove the sort of the off-field energy and spark and, and crossed between you know, the older generation to the younger generation. So, yeah, between Max Gorn and, and Jai with you know, the Taron Thomas uh, situation, obviously plenty of interest. Yeah, so Max Gorn, what did he say today that, that has been different to what he's said in the last week or so because he has been a, a captain under pressure defending, the, I guess, the culture of the Melbourne Football Club? Well, not a great deal. I mean, it's only a few days since he's spoken recently. I mean, last week he spoke about you know, Clayton Oliver and his, his relationship with him and, and how some days he's let him down and some days he's optimistic about the future, which is great. And I think you know, evidence will show that if Clayton's given a chance, he'll perform on field and, and then the... The biggest judgment for him is, I suppose, the mechanisms to keep him happy and, and healthy off-field, that he can keep doing that for not only 24 rounds you know, this year, but you know, for, to fulfil a, a lengthy contract to come. So, look, I think games genuinely cannot come quick enough for the Ds. And then, in my experience, guys, and, and as you know, watching so much footy, when you start to win games, a lot of discussion about where you're at off the field tends to go. We used to have a saying, only losing teams have meetings. And when you're in crisis mode, that's all you seem to do is, is sitting meetings. But I think once you start winning games of footy, uh, the whole landscape changes. That's why the uh, opening game, uh, round zero game against the Swans, is so so important for Melbourne. If they can, if they can have a big win away from home against uh, the Swans, who have lost Luke Parker uh, in, over the last couple of days, then a lot of their issues uh, will just uh, go under the carpet for a period of time. You won't hear the word culture. You'll hear the word, uh, we're on the way. And uh, it's such an important challenge for them that uh, they're going to be the opening game of the season, Thea. Well, yeah, it's enormous, isn't it? And I agree, like you're away from home. I mean, obviously the spotlight will be on you. It'll be on you know, a nationally televised game and everyone's going to get around it and see so much appetite for footy at this stage. But I agree completely. And I think if they get the result, you know, against Sydney, it is going to be one of those things that could jumpstart your season. And then from there, who knows? But... Look, I'd really like to see, as we all would as footy fans, the best players on the park. That definitely includes Clayton Oliver. And then just a question of how they sort of juggle their midfield without Brayshaw there. You know, Jordan's gone as well. Whether they get Petraka back out of the forward line, where they relied heavily on him, and he's just so dynamic. So, yeah, look, a lot of intrigue around Melbourne after a rocked off season. But winning cures all woes, doesn't it? Yeah, one thing I'd just like to put on the record is that Whilst there's been a fair bit of um, you know discussion and uh, inquiry about uh, who's going to fill the midfield spot for Melbourne, I think it's it's we've forgotten pretty quickly that Brayshaw was more than a midfielder. He went into the midfield uh, 
and we joked as part of his contract extension sort of early last year. But to me, he was a better player for Melbourne off the half-back line. He played on the wing. He had a magnificent season. Probably should have been All-Australian in their premiership year if he wasn't. I don't think – I think he might have missed out. But Melbourne's got plenty of other guys that can go through the middle. Harms is not there, obviously. Uh, uh, one of the young blokes went up to Sydney, Jordan. Yeah, so Jordan, Harms, and and then Brayshaw now out of that sort of yeah. – probably their top eight. Yeah. But Brayshaw was mid- very much in, my, in their best side – Yes. The rebounding halfback flanker. So they've got plenty of others through the middle of the ground. But uh, as an A grader, it's hard to replace an A grader with a B grader. And I guess the unfortunate reality for Brayshaw and for, or not Brayshaw, for Melbourne is that because it happens so late, yeah. they haven't been able to do any sort of list management strategy mm. to replace him. Yep. When they, if, if this had happened back in the start of October, end of September, they yep. could have gone to the draft or gone to the trade table to try and get someone to replace who is essentially a, mm. a top 10 player for Melbourne. What else did you learn at the uh, captain's day? Who's going to win the rising star and who's going to win the Brownlow? Well, geez, we didn't get, uh, we didn't get that far into the season. I think we, the annual captain survey, we didn't really get the formalities of that, but look, if you look across the rising star, I mean, is, is Harley Reid the one we spoke to Oscar Allen. He said he's really enthused by the way that this young man has dealt with the speculation, uh, the, the, the scrutiny, he joked that he said he was on the back page of the paper 32 out of 35 days over in the West. So Writing, isn't it, it does give you, it gives you some idea of how much pressure that that young man's under. I mean, he got a taste of it on the weekend uh, against Fremantle. And look, it, how many players have come in besides you think of maybe Chris Judd's first 20-odd games that come in and really rip the competition apart from, from day one? Look, maybe it happens. Maybe it takes a while. Reed's going to get plenty of the pill. It's going to live in the Eagles' back line. But you just want to see a bit of improvement. So, look, I think, again, from a a purist footy fan point of view, you do want to see guys like that emerge and and adapt to the level of footy and play well. I'd like to see Caleb Windsor as well when we talk about going back to Melbourne. I'd like to see what he can do. And Ashton Moyers won at Carlton. That really intrigues me. It might be a little bit harder for him to break into that side. You've obviously got McKercher and Dersmer at North that they'll keep an eye on too. But those three guys, I think, Windsor's looked genuine class when I've watched him at uh, D's training. He's smooth, he's quick, he uses the ball well. And Moyer, they joke at Carlton that they don't know, well, he doesn't know whether he kicks left or right footed. His skills are so good. Whether he'll get the exposure and has the engine is the question. But in terms of you know supreme out-and-out talent, uh, I think that's where we're going. Which team do you think is going to be under most pressure? So you had all 18 there today, but who, which is the team that's going to have to, I guess, na- navigate the spotlight, the hype? Is it is it Carlton? We saw Patrick Cripps on the TV just as we've been speaking to you. Is is it is it the Blues or is it someone else that's going to have to navigate the the pressure of of uh, of optimism of uh, of hyperbole? Well, the pressure of optimism, I'm glad we clarified that, Whitey, because it was going to be Melbourne again, wasn't it? But if we're looking at the pressure of, of sheer optimism, I would say the Blues. And now the question with the Blues for me is the game now feels like it's about speed and space, doesn't it? The teams that get out in space the fastest and then can push forward are the ones that have done the most damage. You think primarily Collingwood, you think Brisbane, and for me, having watched Port Adelaide over the years, they do that so well. Now, the question marks linger on you know, different areas of Port Adelaide's game plan. But in, in their pure ability of those three sides to get out and run and catch teams off guard, it's those three. So the question mark for the Blues in having the two Coleman medalists, in having a Brownlow medalist, Paddy Cripps, in having Jacob Wiedering when he's fit, you know, they've got some serious expectation now. 
So I would say if they get off to a, a reasonable start, then you know, I think the fans will be lining up at Icon Park. Outside of that, we look into state. I'm going back to GWS, another team. Their resurgence last year was unbelievable. A kick away from a grand final, one point against Collingwood. Uh, they're another side that just gets out and uses their pace and runs. And I think that's where the game's going. And I think those those teams, GWS and Carlton, I reckon, if they, uh, they're in the mix at some point during the season, then, gee, look out. So uh, as you leave us, and we know it's Matt Sim, but, but give me your best from Matt Sim and your worst from Matt Sim round. My best? Player or my best matchup? No, your Where best we... team, the one that uh, outperformed the most. The one that outperformed the most, um, probably the Cats. I like the Cats at Icon Park against the Blues. Yep. They were they were pretty slick, and not, no one rates the, the Cats. It's not true class, but they finished outside the finals. And I know we're talking very very early in the piece, but they were fast, tricky conditions. They were quick. They were they were tidy. So yeah, I'd say definitely. The Cats were the ones that I looked at and thought, okay, well, maybe they're a little bit better than they were last year. And then, I mean, it probably goes without saying, but Essendon, I've, I've watched a couple of their, their match sims up at, at Tullamarine and against the Saints, they were they were pretty poor, weren't they? They were just slow, long down the line. It didn't look like a great deal had changed. But again, with the asterisks that we're talking... The first no, it's, only match sim. <laughs> it's only Matt Sim. It's only Matt Sim. And I think a lot of people uh, would be pleased that it is only Matt Sim. It'd be hard to go past, I think, both St Kilda and Essendon uh, for various uh, for those two titles. But I thought that the Suns probably uh, lacked a little bit. Uh, I, th- I was expecting a little bit more. And I think North Melbourne were terrific. So uh, there's there's uh, the real stuff is next well, week. We've well, got the real practice matches. Yeah, the real stuff is tomorrow night. Yeah, it's Collingwood right. and Richmond for real the Charity Shield. It's, it's the like the old uh, NSET Cup Grand Final mm. of the Charity Shield. Very interesting to see how they go. Uh, Theo, thanks for your time. Uh, and, um, yes, we'll see which club you'll be following closely in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks, fellas. All the best.